Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles with you, 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to start there, 1 Corinthians 14. And we're going to continue this series, and this will probably be the last week about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to continue the series about the helper we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. So this is the last week, but maybe the best week. It's all been good weeks, but uh, I can't recap all I've said in four weeks, so you're just going to have to listen to the podcast if you haven't been here. But this morning specifically, I want to talk to you about praying in the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 1, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to man. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So today, if you're taking notes, like I said, real simple title. We're going to be talking about praying in the Spirit. Now, today I'm going to probably teach more than I preach. But since we are talking about being Pentecostal, I'll probably end up preaching. And actually, it's real fun to note that actually today on the calendar is Pentecost Sunday. It is. So, so we're doing it right, that we're preaching about the gift of speaking in other tongues on Pentecost Sunday. So, so if you feel a shout, I'm for it. If you want to wave a hanky, I'm for it. If you, whatever. We, we got to express ourselves. We still are Pentecostals, charismatic people. We believe in the Holy Ghost. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. We believe in casting out devils. Because Lord knows you know people that have them. Maybe you do. We believe you can cast them out. You don't got to counsel them out. You can cast them out. And we believe in the power of God around here. And we believe in the Pentecostal experience because the Bible believes in the Pentecostal experience. And the whole early church that we say we want to be a part of and that we're basing our faith on, we're all Pentecostals. There was no denominations in the early church. That didn't come to hundreds and hundreds of years later when men got involved in it and made their own little divisions. I'm Baptist. I'm Lutheran. I'm Catholic. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Pentecostal. I'm Church of God in Christ. I'm Church of God. I'm this and that. No, there was none of that. The early church just believed the Bible and were Pentecostal people who believed all of this. They all spoke in tongues. They all believed in healing. They all believed in miracles. They all believed in deliverance. They all believed in doing life together. They all believed in the teachings of the apostles. They all believed the same thing. So, I got a lot to say today. And I have limited time, so you're going to have to stay with me. Because I'm going to teach and then we're going to preach. So, speaking about the Holy Spirit this morning, you realize that the Holy Spirit was given to the church as a gift. 
The Father gave the Son to the world, but the Son gave the Spirit to the church. But when you get the Holy Spirit, you get the gifts that He brings with Him. And the Holy Spirit is a person, but He brings gifts with Him. In the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. When you get Him, even though He's a person... He brings gifts with him. And some of the gifts he brings, if you read your Bible, and once again, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about there's gifts of the Spirit. Some are healing. That's a gift of the Spirit. Miracles are a gift of the Spirit. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, working of faith is a gift of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person, but he brings gifts but there's a gift that he brings that is for everyone for every believer and it's the ability to have a supernatural personal prayer language and that's what we want to talk about today because we're talking about a personal prayer language now in the bible it talks about there is such things as a gift of tongues and interpretation, which is for a ministry setting, but there is something beyond that, and every believer has the ability and the gift to pray in tongues or pray in the Spirit. And it it comes in your life for your own personal prayer life. Now, now stay with me here because that's what I'm talking about specifically because some people have misinterpreted the Bible and thought, well, just because in one passage it says not all people pray in tongues. It's not talking about your personal prayer language there. It's talking about a gift of the Spirit used in the church. Not everybody does that in the church. But everyone does have the ability to pray in other tongues, and you should, and you need it more than you realize you need it. And everyone that doesn't have it really needs it. And it's for everyone. Now, I realize I'm saying that before giving you scriptures, but the more we get into this, the more that you're going to realize it is for everyone and you need the ability to pray in tongues or the Bible would say pray in the spirit. The Bible also uses the terms a spiritual language or a heavenly language. It's all the same thing. And God has a supernatural prayer life for all of us in here, and we need it. And I would say in the time and day that we live in now, we need it more than ever. We need the supernatural. We need the power of God. We need the ability to get out of our heads and into our hearts, because this is where all your problems are anyways. And there's certain things that cannot be figured out. you got to pray them out. I need your help this morning. And just like when you came into this earth, you had a language you were taught. Whatever country you came into, you were taught a language, an earthly language, because you were born of the earth. So you learned to speak in English or Spanish or French or Italian or German. But when you are born again... And when you're born from above, you get a heavenly language. And you need to learn how to use your heavenly language. 
You've used your earthly language long enough. You need to know that God has a heavenly spiritual language for you. Just like you got one when you were born in this earth, you get one when you are born into God or you're born from above. So we're going to talk today about praying in the spirit. Hopefully today it's kind of a twofold purpose. First of all, for people who already believe this, to stir you up. In the gift of God that's in you. That you need to use it. It's one of the most important weapons we have as believers praying in the spirit. And for you who do not know about this, hopefully today the way I teach this you will understand it. And maybe some of the weirdness you've been taught or thought about it will go away. And you'll realize it's real and it's true. And don't don't think about the weirdos. Or the strange people who have done this, that's just because they're weird, not because God's weird. But there's people that are in their right mind, like your pastor, who actually has a normal job and a family and a daughter and drives a car. I'm not crazy. And I pray in tongues just like I pray in English because it's normal in the life of a believer. It's not weird. It's not spooky. It's not supernatural. It's not of the devil. It's for you. It's for you. And the reason I'm teaching on this so strong because the world has lied about it to you and other church people have lied about tongue talkers to you. So there's a lot of confusion here. But let's let the word decide what we believe, not people's opinion or someone who has a bad attitude just because they don't want the power of God in their life. Come on now, somebody. You know, there's an interesting verse in Timothy that says that they deny the power to make them godly. You realize why a lot of denominational people fight tongues, the supernatural? It's not because they actually have a real sound argument against it. It's because they know they're going to have to start living right. I'm going to start being convicted if I get the power of God because they deny the power. That's a verse in Timothy that can make them godly. Or, or, or if I get the Holy Ghost, then I won't fit in with everybody at work. And I don't want that, so I'm going to deny the power that could make me godly. And I just want to be a superficial, you know, uh, just bland, vanilla white Christian that goes to just a, you know, a generic Walmart brand church. So I just fit in with everybody because I don't want to push, push the limits of what, you know, because people might think I'm a little weird if I go to that church. I got Miss Krista with me this morning. But they don't want it, not because they actually have a legitimate theological argument. They don't want it because the power that comes with it means you're responsible for the power. And if you get the Holy Ghost, that means you're going to have to start living right because you're going to be convicted on the inside. And if you get the Holy Ghost, you can't just walk around and people are needing healing and you can't just you gotta you're like i gotta pray for you you can't just walk around when there's demonic powers ready you know you gotta pray for somebody and pray for deliverance no you you're gonna be different from everybody else if you get the holy ghost in all his fullness and you get the power that's why it says that timothy they denied the power that could make them godly it's not because they have a theological argument they don't They actually have the complete opposite of a theological argument. But why don't they want it? They're afraid of it. 
They're afraid of what might happen in their life. They're afraid of what their relatives might think. They're afraid of what their co-workers might think. But I want to let you know this morning, as a 33-year-old man, I don't care. And neither should you. What your family thinks about it, what your co-workers thinks about it, you need to care what God thinks about it. And God says you need it, then you need it. And the power of the Holy Spirit could change your life if you let it. Trust me, those same people that are mocking you when they have a need, guess where they're going? Let me go find that one Pentecostal friend I used to have. They believed in healing. They believed in deliverance. They believed in the power of God. They had something different about their life. They had a different faith about their life. I need to go find those people because there was something supernatural about it. I've seen it happen many times before. I've seen people that have went to other churches that don't believe in healing, and then when they get sick, they say, can we come back to church on the rock and get prayed for? How does that make sense? If you knew that ahead of time, why did you leave in the first place? And you think by coming back one service, you're going to be supernaturally healed and then go back to your unbelieving church? All right. This is not the truth. <laughs> but, but why do they do that? Now, we'll pray for them, and we'll believe that they're going to get healed. But why do that? Why do that? Because the power of God makes you uncomfortable. And why leave a place where the power of God is in manifestation, then come back when you need help? Stay in the place of God's power. Go to the place that God has told you to go. But you know what? In my really season of life, I'm bold about it. I've lived long enough to know I'm bold about it. I'm confident, not in myself, in God and in his word and about what I believe. And ain't nobody talking me out of it. (laughs) And you need to be that way too. I didn't say arrogant. I didn't say rude. I didn't say pushy. I said being bold in what you believe on your job, in your neighborhood, at your school, and wherever you go. Because people are looking for someone who knows God. They are looking for a light in a dark world, and that's you. But if you keep your mouth shut and act like you don't have any power, how will they know? I'm preaching better than you're responding today so far. You got to be bold about it. Now, once again, you're not bold in yourself because you didn't give you the gift. (laughs) It's from him, not you. And if someone does get healed, it's still not you. It's God's power going through you to them. If someone gets delivered, it's not you. It's God's power moving through you to deliver them. But let's be bold about the power of God and the Spirit of God. So we're talking about praying in the Spirit. Let's turn over, since it is Pentecost Sunday, to Acts 2 and verse 1. The reason we're bringing this up is because in Acts 2 verse 1 through 4 is the first account of the early church receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving the gift of praying in tongues. Now, there's something important. If you study your Bible, it's called the law of first mention. 
That means if you're studying your Bible, the first time something is mentioned in the Bible is significant. It's important that you pay attention to how did it happen in the early church. And since this is the first time it's mentioned, we can learn a lot from this account. So Acts 2 and verse 1. Now we're going to go slowly through this because it's very important. Acts 2 and verse 1. It's Pentecost Sunday. Now notice what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now i got to teach you before I preach to you. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, several weeks ago we talked about the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament was when God brought the law down through Moses and the Ten Commandments. But the Feast of Pentecost in the New Covenant is when God brought the Spirit down to his people. And the Old Testament Feast of Pentecost was a type and a shadow of the real thing in the New Covenant. But notice it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, or this is the real Pentecost. The one in the Old Testament with Moses and bringing the law down and God's judgment, that was not the real thing. That was just a type and a shadow of the thing to come. But this was what God was always looking for. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice they were all with one accord and in one place. They were all with one accord and in one place. The Spirit of God, hear me clearly, will not move in your life if you're in disunity and strife with everyone else. The Holy Spirit will not move in your life if you're unforgiving and bitter and angry and resentful at everyone. The Spirit of God will not move in your life when you're gossiping back and forth between other church members. The Spirit of God will not move in your life when you're coming against church leadership. The Spirit of God will not move in your life when you're constantly arguing on Facebook about politics. He's not in that. And no, you don't have supernatural insight. And no, you don't know all conspiracy theories because you know some secret website and you're sharing that information on Facebook. I know the real truth. No, you don't. CNN and Fox News are both wrong. The Democrats and Republicans are both wrong. You know who's right? Jesus. You know who's right? The Word. That's where I stand. I'm not either. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm a follower of his word. That's it. Not Democrat, not Republican. I love this nation. But other than that, I'm not into politics. Stay out of it. If you're going to walk in the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit got poured out when they were all in one place and they were all in one accord. In unity. In verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now we'll stop right here. I'm going slowly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. When the spirit of God comes on your life. He does not bring the sound of hell. He does not bring the sound even of the earth. He brings a sound from heaven. It's amazing about a hundred years ago. 
during the Azusa Street Revival, when really the Pentecostal charismatic movement was covering the earth, kind of the renewing of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people back then, 100 years ago, were saying people that talk in tongues are demon-possessed. It's a sound from hell. How can it be when God said it's a sound from heaven? It says when the Spirit of God comes on you, when you pray in tongues or pray in the Spirit, it's a sound from heaven. It's not ugly. It's not undignified. It's not evil. It's a sound from heaven. And as a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. Go to verse 4. Now we're going to hang out here for the, a good long time here. And they were all filled. Stop. They were all filled. Now, in the upper room was about 120 people. And it says in the Bible, they were all filled. Now, you've heard religious teachings that say praying in tongues is only for a certain few. The Bible says, and they were all filled. <laughs> the Holy Spirit didn't come and say, okay, you get it. You don't get it. You get it. You don't get it. You get it. You don't. No. It says they were all filled. Now, law first mentioned they were all filled. It's for everyone. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm teaching, I realize here, but stay with me. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. This wasn't the end of speaking in tongues. This was the beginning of it. Meaning this was the starting place. They didn't just do this one day and stop. This was the start of a new personal prayer language for them. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we're rightly dividing the word. Here's another misconception about tongues that freaks people out. They think when the Holy Spirit comes on them and they pray in tongues that they have no control over that. That's why people are scared. They're thinking, I'm going to be in some trance and my eyes are going to roll in the back of my head. I'm going to be like, if you see somebody doing that, run. Okay. Or cast the devil out of them. It's not the Holy Ghost. And it's uncontrollable. But notice the Bible says they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Because with everything that God does, He has to have your involvement in it. <laughs> There's the Spirit and us, not just the Spirit. And it says they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is how this works. It requires faith. As soon as you step out to speak, then the Spirit of God will give you utterance or words to say. Because many people are waiting for the Spirit of God to take them over and then to start speaking. 
doesn't work like that because you have a will. The Spirit of God is waiting for you to step out in faith, and as you speak, then the Spirit of God gives you words or utterance to speak out. And the more you speak, the more the Spirit will give you words to speak out. But notice it says they were all filled and began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it was their own choice and their own will to pray in tongues. Now it didn't come from them, but it came through them. And when they spoke, the Spirit gave them words. Now I'm trying to clarify for you on how this works. They spoke, but the Spirit gave the words. Notice the Spirit didn't speak. They spoke. They had to open their mouth and start praying out what the Spirit of God gave them to speak out. Now, let's continue in that thought about the Holy Spirit's not going to force you to do this. You have to will and choose to speak. And as you speak, the Spirit gives you the words to say. 1 Corinthians 14 in verse 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. So we're just trying to teach you for a second. When you're praying in tongues, you're not praying up here. Now, when you're praying in English, you're praying from your mind. But when you're praying in the spirit, you're praying from your spirit. It's a spiritual thing. So the words come from down here. So he says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Verse 15, well, then what shall I do? I will. It's a choice of your will. This is kind of an old Pentecostal charismatic thought. They thought, I just have to wait for that feeling, and then I can pray in tongues. I got to wait for the Holy Ghost. And then I'll pray in tongues. No, the Bible says, I will. That means you can pray in tongues anytime you want to. You can sing in tongues anytime you want to. Whether you have a feeling or not. Just like you can pray in English and sing in English anytime you want. Whether you feel it or not, you can pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit anytime you want. Because you have your own will and own own choice. And when you speak, then the Spirit of God gives you words. So he says, this is what the Apostle Paul says. I will pray in the Spirit. And I will also pray in words I understand. And I will sing in the Spirit. And I will also sing in words I understand. So notice you have a choice in this. You can pray in the Spirit anytime you want, and you can sing in the Spirit anytime you want, whether you have a feeling or not. Whether you have goosebumps or not. And let me say as your pastor, I would pray more in the Spirit when you don't feel it than when you do feel it, because you're going to be waiting around a long time. If you're waiting for a service and a prayer line to feel it, you're not going to pray in the Spirit like you need to. You need to start praying in the Spirit when you don't feel it. Maybe if you did, you would start feeling something. Didn't it work like that? You got to step out in faith before you feel it. But we're waiting for the feelings before we'll step out in faith. Doesn't work that way. But he says, I will pray in the Spirit and I will 
pray in English. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing in English or whatever his known language was because he had a choice and he had a will. I'm just trying to clarify for us today. So let's look back at Acts 2 and verse 4. Let's look at the, in the New Living Translation, if we could pull that up. Different translations say it differently. Notice this. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So they spoke, but the Spirit gave them that ability. Let's look at the amplified version of this. And they were all filled and diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages or tongues as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. Let's look at the Passion Translation. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. So that's what happens when the early church got filled with the Spirit. They started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them the words to say or the ability or the empowerment. And that's the same for all of us in here. When we get filled with the Holy Spirit in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it calls in the Bible, and we speak in new tongues, we have to speak, but the Spirit of God gives us the words to say. It's very important that we know that. Here's something interesting to note about praying in the Spirit, because the praying in the Spirit does not come from your mind. It comes from your spirit. Now, your spirit is invisible, but your spirit's here in your inner man. And when you pray in the Spirit, the words come from your spirit, not your head. And you will feel words kind of bubble up or come up to your mind that you need to speak out. But you know it's not coming from your mind. It's coming from your spirit. Now, this is very interesting because uh, I, I was looking into this, and there's people that have done brain scans on people that are praying in tongues. Notice this. When Dr. Andrew Nuremberg, a neuroscientist, compared brain scans of Christians praying in tongues with also people that were chanting and nuns praying, the study showed when you prayed in tongues, the frontal lobes, the brain's control center, went quiet in the brains of Christians talking in tongues, proving that speaking in tongues isn't a function of your natural brain, but an operation of your spirit. So notice when they were confessing or meditating or praying in their regular language, their brain was being lit up in the areas of their speech. But when they were praying in the spirit, that part of their brain went quiet because it's not coming from here. And we're talking about a scientist did these scans. I'm not talking about a pastor who did this scan. Why? Because it comes from your spirit, your inner man. Now it flows through your mind, but it's of the spirit. He said when he prayed, He prayed in the Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul said. It comes from your spirit or your heart. Now let's go a little bit further here. Let's go to the next verse, Acts 2 and verse 5. And I just wanted to add this just because I love this part. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now it's interesting to note that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
God knew what day he was going to do this. And he happened to time it on the day that people from every nation, tribe and tongue, were coming back into Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And that happened to be the same day that the Holy Spirit got poured out. It's significant. Because the plan was, when the 120 come out of the upper room, they're going to be speaking in these different languages, and all these people are going to hear the gospel in their own language. And then they're going to carry the gospel to every tribe and tongue and nation that they came from because the gospel wasn't just for Jerusalem. And the gospel wasn't just for the, a certain type of people. It was for the nations. And, and God brought all the nations to Jerusalem. And it says when they spoke in tongues, everyone heard the word in their own language. And then they carried the gospel to all the nations of the earth. And some have, have thought and said, if there was 120 disciples, that means legitimately there could have been 120 different languages being spoken of the different nations represented on the day of Pentecost. Because it said that all of them were speaking differently. And later on in the book of Acts, it names a bunch of nations or places that all these people came from. But I love it. It says in Acts, just a few, chap- or a few verses later, when they spoke in tongues, everyone heard it in their own language. Man, I love that. Because when the Spirit of God speaks... You hear it in your own language. When the Spirit of God is moving, you hear it in your own language. When the Spirit of God is in a servant, everyone hears it in their own language. I don't know how it happens, but it happens supernaturally. And I've been in a service when there's been hundreds of people or even thousands of people, and somebody is preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit, and thousands of people hear something differently and all get the answers that they need. Why? Because when the Spirit of God is speaking, everyone hears it in their own language. How can he do that? It's supernatural. I've had people come up after service and say, Pastor, this was my favorite point. Didn't want to tell him. I didn't say that this morning. Pastor, you know what you said today? I really got so much out of it. And then they repeat back to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's great. And later I'm thinking, I did not say that in the message today. But you know what happened? When I was speaking, the Spirit of God was speaking. And they heard it in their own language. Come on, isn't that good? They heard it in their own language. And that's what happens supernaturally. It's not about the man or the woman speaking. It's about the Spirit of God using them that you will get the answers you need. Even if they preached about something different than you came in for, the Spirit of God has an ability to give the answers to what you need. Come on, I'm preaching better than you responded today. But I love that. The nations were there on the day of Pentecost and they all heard in their own language. So, let's continue a little further. Let's turn to John 7. In verse 37. Still talking about praying in the Spirit. Let's read this. This is Jesus speaking. On the last day, 
that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Spirit has said, out of his heart or his spirit will flow rivers of living water. But notice what he said. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. So that was going to happen when we get the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So I love this. Jesus said, when you receive the Spirit out of your spirit or your heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, I was raised by Brother Sean in Children's Church. So I do remember a few things. So, let me clarify this. There's people that don't pray in tongues. They're still saved. They still do have the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying they're not. They are saved. They're going to heaven. They have the Holy Spirit. But there is a secondary baptism that the Bible talks about that you can't ignore. That is not just you being filled, but you being filled to overflowing. Being baptized or immersed in the Spirit. And I love this idea. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you and fills you for salvation. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you for service. But notice he said it like this. When you get the Holy Spirit out of you, it's going to flow rivers of living water. When you get the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, he comes in you, and that's a well. Because the Holy Spirit's always, in the Bible, referred to as water because it brings refreshing. It brings cleansing. It brings power. But that well is for you, for your salvation. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a river. And the river is not for you. It's for other people. The well's for you, but the river is for others. Now, what does a river do? A river goes out, and it reaches people, and it changes people, and it changes the landscape. And it's not just for the one person, because you got a well at your house. That's for you. But the river is for everybody. And notice Jesus said, when you pray in the Spirit, out of you is going to flow rivers of living water. Are you following me so far? So this is what happens. When you get saved, this is you. You get the Holy Spirit. He comes and He fills you. He fills you. And you're full, but this is for you. This is a well for your salvation. But there's a secondary thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit was when he baptizes you or he immerses you or overflows you for service to others. And that's a river that reaches other people. That that river in you comes out of you and out of you flows rivers of living water. That means you're overflowing. You're not just in a well, you're overflowing. And this is what praying in tongues is. It's not a work. It's not something, if I just drink enough Red Bull and say Coca-Cola, 
I'll pray in tongues. If I get the right people to pray for me, I'll pray in tongues. If I come to the right service, I'll pray in tongues. No, it's this easy. Praying in tongues is this. You get so full. (laughs) Is all it is. You get so full of the Holy Ghost. Something's got to come out. And what comes out of you is a spiritual language. It's just water, guys. It's okay. So that's what praying the Spirit is. You get so filled with the Holy Ghost, out of you flows rivers of living water. And you get so full that something has to come out. And when he fills you to overflowing, out of you comes that spiritual, supernatural prayer language. It's a beautiful thing. It's not an ugly thing. It's not an undignified thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a heavenly thing. It's that easy. Can I take it a step further here? I'm going to give you four reasons as we wrap it up about why you should pray in the Spirit. There's way more than this. It's actually funny. When I was studying for this, there's a book that says 70 reasons why you should pray in tongues. It's a lot. But we're just going to talk about four. There's so much that we could say today, but I'm going to give you my top four. Why I think it's important to pray in the Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.2. The first thing I want to talk about here is when you pray in the Spirit, you pray out your future. You pray out your future. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, and we'll leave it up here. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So so let's stop right there. Notice what it says. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I said when you pray in the spirit, you pray out your future. Now, this word mysteries is not something hidden from us. It's something hidden for us. Brother Hagen would say in his book, this word mystery means plans and purposes. Pastor Nancy, her commentary on it said, you pray out divine secrets. So when we pray in the Spirit, the Bible says we pray out God's plans, God's purposes, and God's divine secrets for our life that we cannot know and fulfill without praying in the Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out God's plan and purpose for our life or for our church or for our family, and we pray out divine secrets that we need to know in the Spirit. That's what the verse says. I love Pastor Nancy. She would always give the example of this. She had a vision when she was praying in the Spirit, and every time she prayed in the Spirit, more tracks of the road were put in place, but as soon as she stopped, the road stopped. A lot of people are stuck in life, and it's not for any other reason other than you just don't pray in the Holy Ghost. So your life's going to be stuck because you've got to pray out the future that God has for you. If you're okay with just staying here, then don't pray. But if you want God's best, come on now. If you want God's will, if you want God's purpose, if you want God's plan, you've got to pray out the future that God has put in you. 
And that happens when you pray in the Spirit. That's what the verse says. When we pray in the Spirit, we speak out mysteries. Divine secrets, divine plans and purposes for our life. And the more we pray them out, the more they happen, and the more that our mind understands them. It's so important, especially in this day and age where we live, that you need to pray out your future. You cannot figure everything out in your head. That's why you're frustrated. The answers are not in there. Let's be honest. Your answers are not in here. They're in here. And when you pray them out by the Spirit, the answers come to you and you can pray out your future. It's supernatural. You can play out, pray out the perfect plan of God for you. Some things do not need to be figured out. They need to be prayed out. But notice he says, when I pray, my understanding is unfruitful. Because our natural mind wants to know. Don't want to. <laughs> we want to figure it out up here. But it's not in there. It's in our spirit. The answers are in our spirit. That's why we got to pray it out. And when we pray in the spirit, we pray out our future. Next thing. When we pray in the spirit, it brings rest and refreshing. Let me read you a verse in Isaiah 28, verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which will cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now you're saying, Pastor, now that's a stretch. You go just pick some random verse out of Isaiah and quote it. Say it's going to be rest and refreshing. The reason I'm quoting this is because the Apostle Paul quotes this in the same chapter as speaking in tongues. Same chapter. Referring to praying in tongues, he quotes this verse out of Isaiah. And it says, with stammering lips and another tongue, talking prophetically about praying in the Spirit, he says that it's going to bring rest to the weary and refreshing when you pray in the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul uses that same verse in the chapter talking about tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21 and 22. He quotes this verse because he's saying, this gift of speaking in tongues will bring rest and refreshing to you. <laughs> Haven't you ever noticed you're a lot nicer when you pray in tongues? You're a lot sweeter when you pray in tongues. Why? Because you just spent time with the Holy Ghost and you're refreshed and you're at rest. How many know when you're edgy and frustrated and ticked off? If somebody asks you when's the last time you prayed in tongues, you cannot remember. There's connection to that. Because when you pray in tongues, it gives you rest and refreshing for your spirit. That's a real you. I love it. Smith Wigglesworth said, because they would ask him, 
do you ever take vacations? Now, this is no shade on vacations because Lord knows I need some. An actual real-life vacation. But how many know we live in times that we can't literally go to Florida, right? There's times our job will not let us, so what are we going to do about in those times? There's literally times we can't just leave and go to the mountains, right? So what do we do on those times? Do we just have to say, well, I can't be restful and refreshed in my daily life? No. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, I take vacations all the time. I pray in the Spirit. And he would just start praying in the Spirit. And he would be so refreshed. Now, that's nothing against real vacations. You need it. I need it. We all need it. Let's all go. Where do you want to go? Florida? Let's go. But we don't live on vacation. So what do we do in the meantime to stay rested and refreshed? We pray in the Spirit, and it causes refreshing and rest to come to us. Seriously, ask yourself. You know when you get that way. You know what I'm talking about. When's the last time you prayed in the Spirit when you're acting that way? It's a long time. You know when we have prayer meetings on like a Sunday night when it's a corporate prayer time, how you feel afterwards? You're just like, man, I feel like clean. I feel good. I feel refreshed. I feel rested. And the next thought is, why don't I do this more often? The answer is, I don't know. Why don't I do this more often? But why does that happen? Because when we pray in the Spirit, it brings rest and refreshing to our spirit. Next thing, when you pray in the Spirit, it helps you pray perfect prayers. One of the definitions given given to the Holy Spirit as our helper is He will be our intercessor. The Spirit of God helps us pray perfect prayers because He intercedes through us. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it says here, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray perfect prayers because the Spirit of God is praying through you according to the will of God. There's a guaranteed number one way that you're not going to miss in your prayer life is if you pray in the Spirit. Why? Because you can't mess that up because the Spirit is the one praying through you. And when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out perfect prayers according to God's will. The Holy Spirit comes and He's our helper because He wants to come intercede through us on behalf of the saints, it says. But I like how it says, when we do not know what to pray as we ought. Anybody been there? (laughs) Like often? Your English words run out pretty quick. Your confession list, the things that you're repeating in prayer, sometimes they run out pretty quickly and you're like, I know I'm not getting there. My English words are running out. I love it. There's good news. There's good news, church family. At the end of your prayer life is the beginning of the Spirit's prayer life. 
At the end of your knowledge and wisdom and insight is the beginning of the supernatural. That we are not alone. If we run out of English words, it's okay. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how I feel right now. But the Spirit of God is going to pray through me, and He's going to pray out the perfect will and plan of God. Come on, are you getting something this morning? I've been there, and some of you are there right now, and you will get there eventually if you're not there. Your words will run out. There will be situations that are too big for you. There will be sicknesses that are feeling like they're too big for you. There will be mental issues that will feel like they're too big for you. There will be callings that feel like they're too big for you. But when your prayer life runs out, the Spirit of God comes within you and He intercedes on behalf. It's okay that you ran out of words. He says, I will give you the words you need and pray out the perfect plan of God. I love that. Even myself lately, man, I've been praying in English as much as I can, but I notice a lot of times lately, I say, Holy Ghost, you got to help me. I'm out of words. I'm out of scriptures I memorized. Pray through me. And he does. The helper takes hold together with us, and he's our intercessor, and he prays out the perfect will and plan of God. I know I've said a lot today, but I'm almost done. I love you. That's why I'm stirred up today to help you. The last thing I want to share about is when you pray in the Spirit, it builds you up. And there's a lot in this word, and we're going to share about it. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The word edified means to build up. When you pray in the Spirit, it's like lifting weights for your spirit. I love this. I was listening to Pastor Michael Todd this week. He talked about praying in tongues. He said, if you want to get buff in the Spirit, you got to pray in the Spirit. It's true. You want a strong spiritual muscle, you got to pray in the Spirit. If you're feeling weak spiritually, you got to pray in the Spirit because it says when you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up. I don't know about you, but I want to be spiritually strong. How do you do that? you got to pray in the Spirit. It's like lifting weights for your spirit man. I love that this is another way to, to see it. It says that you're built up. Edify means to build up. What about your house, your life? When you pray in the Spirit, it builds up your spiritual house. So when the storms of life come, which they will, your house has been built. Because you've been praying in the Spirit, and it's built to last, so the storms of life come, but you have been built on the Spirit. Let's think about this. Think about your body, because it means to build up, to edify. Your body, it says, is the house and temple of God. So when we pray in the Spirit, I believe that it can rebuild and repair your broken body when you pray in the Spirit. It's interesting. I uh, was looking up some research about this, and there's a man by the name of Dr. Carl Peterson who, who was actually the husband of Vicki Jameson Peterson, who was a healing evangelist. And he did some research at ORU, and he found when they did these studies, when people prayed in the Spirit, it released 
two chemical secretions in their body that directly affected their immune system, that their immune system increased by 40% when they prayed in the Spirit. So they saw that on a test that they could tell that there was things happening in their body to repair it and rebuild it, and their immune system got stronger just by praying in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, what does that mean? It means to edify, to build up. What about this? To build up your mind and your emotions. Here's another bit of research. You can look this up. It's a New York Times article. It's called The Neuroscientific Look at Speaking in Tongues. The article said this. Contrary to common perception, studies show that regular praying in tongues, people had rarely had mental problems. And through this study, they found that people that prayed in tongues were more emotionally stable than those who did not. Once again, if you want to look it up, it's a New York Times article, a neuroscientific look at speaking in tongues. Not making it up. Written by a secular person, not a Christian. So this idea, isn't that a common idea? People that pray in tongues, they're just emotionally and mentally unstable, right? They got a few things loose because they pray in tongues. Actually, they're more screwed in than your mind is, buddy. You're the one with the loose screws. They're not. You've lost your marbles. They still have them. I mean, come on now, somebody. The science shows that people that prayed in tongues were, rarely had mental issues and were more emotionally stable than those who did not. But I it says contrary to popular belief. Why? Because people, oh, it's a common thing. It's a, people are crazy. People are unstable that do that. No, they're not. But what was happening When you pray in the Spirit, you edify, you build yourself up. Build your body up, build your mind up, build your emotions up. I love the New Living says that when you pray in the Spirit, you strengthen yourself. Another translation says you improve yourself. One way to put it in some other study I did, it says to make more able, to advance spiritually, to charge yourself. How many know if your phone was not charged, you would lose it? You want to see a teenager absolutely have a meltdown? Put their phone on 1% with no charger in sight. They'll lose it. Many adults will lose it as well. But it says when you pray in the Spirit, you charge yourself. Many of us are good enough to have 100% battery on our phone, but 2% on our spirit. Think, well, I, I, don't, I don't really feel it like you do. Charge your stinking phone. I don't feel much spiritual strength or energy because you haven't charged yourself in the Holy Ghost. And I'm saying the same for myself. If I'm not excited anymore, if I'm not passionate anymore, If I'm not energetic about the things of God, about the word of God, about the worship of God, about coming to church, about being in life groups, about being in ministry helps, it's not God's fault. It's because you have not charged yourself. 
It's not your pastor's fault. It's not your friend's fault. It's not your family's fault. It's not the worship team's fault. It's because you put your spiritual battery off the charger for years. Because when you pray in the spirit, you charge yourself spiritually. And by the lack of response today, you guys need this word. Because you charge yourself. Well, that's not my personality. That's not true. I've seen the way you act at a football game. You're the most Pentecostal person I've ever seen. Yelling for two hours, taking a lap with your shirt off and your face painted in a cheese hat. But yet when you come to church. Not your personality. Oh, that's just not my personality. I'm an introvert. Let's see you on Black Friday for a purse shop at 5 a.m. in the morning knowing you're going to get the purse you wanted. I've seen girls pray in tongues, do a lap, and in church they go. No, you're not charged up. When you pray in the Spirit, you charge your spiritual battery. Are you running low, church? Are you feeling low, church? You got to pray in the Spirit. There's an answer to it. You got to pray in the Spirit. And the more you pray in the Spirit, you charge your spiritual battery up. Let's stop being so focused on charging our phone and charge our actual spirit where the life of God flows through. If you're not excited about what God is doing in your life, in your future, in your church, it's because you're not charged up spiritually. Do you want the honest truth? Because that's what your pastor is telling you today. I do because I love you. And I have to say the same thing about my own life. If I've lost my edge in my energy, in my passion, my spiritual battery is being drained, and I need to charge it up. Last verse, and we're going to close. Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Did you guys get something today? I know I said a lot this morning. It says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanted to leave us with this verse because the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I want to speak specifically to those of you who have already been Spirit-filled. Because the actual... Translation of this verse in the original is not be filled. It says, but be being filled. Meaning there is ongoing fillings if you want them. Because there's something about life that it knocks the spiritual water out of you. It knocks the spiritual filling out of you. So every day you got to be being filled. This is not one time at an altar where you prayed in tongues. I got filled. Where is he since then? But the Bible says that we need to be being filled. Every day I get a fresh filling. Every day I get a fresh filling. 
There's a lot of traffic. I need a fresh feeling. There's situations with my family. I need a fresh feeling. There's financial situations. I need a fresh feeling. There's issues in my body. I need a fresh feeling. The Bible says, but be being filled. Talking to believers, and I'm talking to you. When's the last time you got filled to overflow? Last conference? Last camp? Last prayer line? You can do this every day if you want to. Be being filled. But what's the opposite of that? God's saying here, if you don't get filled with the right things, you're going to look for the wrong things to fill you. Because you're designed to be filled. That's why you got a lot of church people struggling with porn. Because you ain't praying in the spirit. So you got to get something to fill you up. A lot of church people drinking because you aren't full of the right stuff anyway. So you got to have something else to fill you up. A lot of people addicted to pain pills because it's okay because you can get it from your doctor. But you're doing that because you're not filled full of the right stuff. A lot of people looking for a relationship because you're not filled with the right stuff. A lot of people looking for security in your family, in your career, in everything else. Because you're not filled with the right stuff. And he says, if you don't get filled with the right stuff, you go get filled on the wrong stuff because you're designed to be filled. And that's why he says you need to be being filled. There's a new filling for you, Pentecostal. There's a new filling for you, charismatic. There's a new filling for you, believer in Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to refill you every day and not leave you on empty. Be being filled. Every day there's a new feeling. It's amazing people do crazy stuff and say, I'm spirit-filled. Not that day. Right? You run a little empty that day. You weren't filled that day. I'm spirit-filled. Not that year you weren't. No judgment. I made decisions when I wasn't spirit-filled either. But we don't have to live that way because it says be being filled. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Because why? Anything other than the Spirit of God is a cheap substitute. It's a cheap substitute. You can turn to it. It will fill you temporarily, but it's a cheap substitute of the real filling. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And if you try to fill yourself with something else other than the Spirit of God, it will have side effects. But it's interesting to know that he uses the comparison of someone who's drunk and someone who's filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what is somebody who's drunk? What do they do? They don't got care in the world. Do they? Got no cares. They're relaxed. They're feeling good. And he's saying, I want you to feel that way, but not off that, but off me. It's amazing that the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, what they say, these guys are drunk. And then Peter had to stand up and say, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. This is, that was, was prophesied by the prophet Joel. 
The thing is, the church world has got this wrong sometimes because they just harp on things where people look at and experience because they're looking for something because they want to feel that feeling and they want to feel that high and they want to, and, and those things are wrong because God wanted you to feel that all the time, live that way all the time. And God wants you high. He does, but just on the right stuff. <laughs> high on the most high. Because when you get filled with the Spirit, you'll act like a drunk person. No cares. Relaxed. Not worried. Eased up. Full of the Spirit of God. Full of peace and joy. But it will be real, not a fake substitute when you're acting drunk and I feel that way. Because when you come down from that, there are side effects. But the scripture says, but be being filled by the Spirit. That's my encouragement for you today, especially those of you who have already experienced this. But be being filled. Keep on filling up. Keep on filling up. Keep on be being filled. Keep the Spirit of God moving in your life. Keep that prayer language going strong. There's so many benefits to it in your life. Imagine a church that comes up that we're already built up. All of us. We're already strengthened. We're already spiritually advanced. We're all charged up. What kind of atmosphere could be in this place when we're all living that way? And that's God's will. How many more people could we bring in here and see them saved and healed and delivered when the atmosphere is charged like that because all of us have took personal responsibility to be filled and be being filled by the Spirit of God? And how does that happen? By praying in the Spirit. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.